Hello, this is Beyond the Bell with WASTA, Wisconsin's hub for professional development for anyone working in out-of-school time programs and youth-serving organizations. It's our mission to help you provide the highest quality care to children and their families. If you wish you had an extra tool going into programming to help guide behaviors in a productive way, wish you knew more about how to provide the whole family with support, or you want to enhance your own well-being, then this is the home for you. We know what it's like to feel like you never have enough time or resources to meet everyone's needs, and we're here to support you through the challenges. Stay tuned as we explore new ideas and strategies that you can use right away. Rachel Sharon, Health Educator with Marshfield Clinic Health System Center for Community Health Advancement and Wisconsin Out-of-School Time Alliance. We're excited you're listening today to our conversation with Kimberly Lowe. Kimberly is the Associate Director of Grants and Administration at the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Milwaukee. She has 17 years of experience in ensuring youth receive healthy meals through the participation of the Child and Adult Care Food Program. She's here to talk to us today about a day in the life and the logistics of running a successful food program. Welcome, Kimberly. Hello. So as the coordinator of what has to be one of the largest food programs in the state, you're managing a lot of logistics on a daily basis. Can you tell us a bit about your day-to-day tasks and then how these duties factor into how many bellies you're also able to fill on a daily basis? So some of my day-to-day tasks are coordinating weekly meal counts. I also review them and compile the monthly food program claims. And I actually conduct site visits for about 17 of our sites that receive vended meals. These duties factor in assuring over 1,300 bellies are fed each month. Wow, that's a number that's just, it's hard to wrap my head around. And it sounds like just part of what makes it all run is breaking it down. So kind of monitoring things on a weekly basis, and then you're looking at monthly numbers. And I imagine that's really helpful for those of us listening in out-of-school time programs that are thinking about either building our food programs or starting something. Would you recommend looking at things kind of on that weekly and monthly basis? Is that a helpful way to do it? Absolutely, because... Um, month to month, and, and when I actually go in, I would even backtrack to even say on a weekly basis, the number of students that we actually ensure are being fed fluctuates. So from month to month, our numbers could vary. One month, we could serve as high as over 18,000 meals. Some months, over 21,000 meals monthly go out to the children that are in the community. Yeah, so kind of keeping tabs on it and then adjusting because the need changes and then you kind of roll with the punches. So what are some... Yes, that is correct. Yeah, so what are some practical tips you would offer to you serving organizations to help them stay organized and assess that need that might be changing from day to day, hour to hour? How do you provide the service in an efficient way? So a few practical tips that I would offer to help stay organized are by attending like DPI food program trainings, creating binders, digital folders help, and actually utilizing those guidance mandorandums and resource materials that are provided by the CACFP. I also use different techniques of like organizations connecting information that they need for like a needs assessment, constantly making sure that like on a yearly basis, you're assessing the needs of the community and the population that you're serving. Because however, those needs change. And so we assess that by having families complete household size income statements and by having access to the community data as far as family medium household income. 
And it helps us to be able to determine the community needs from that point. And then we also connect with other community partners that provide these meal services to the youth as a resource. And we share those ideas on how to provide those services in an efficient way. So there's there's a lot of different layers to this. So it sounds like you're doing needs assessment and part of that is going straight to the families that you're serving and asking them, tell us about your situation. What do you need? And then part of that is looking at the whole community. So you kind of have an idea and you can prepare. And then there's that piece about collaborating with partners who are doing similar work or on kind of the same mission because you can kind of compare notes that way. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. It really helps when you're able to come together with other community partners that's providing the same services because they may have different systems in place that you're not using that could be helpful to you to run a more efficient program. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Not at all. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. A lot of the resources and everything you need is actually going to be available for you on that DPI website for the CACFP or either for the Summer Food Service Program. So everything that's on that website, fires, guidance, random, randoms, it's everything that you would need. Great. So what about a program who's considering starting a food program and they want to get the messaging about services out to families in a safe way that's kind of respecting where they're at? What what suggestions do you have on that? Well, some ways to really share the message to the families about the food program is by including pamphlets and like letting them know that you offer this food program service, you can put it in newsletters and enrollment packets. A lot of times we set up tables at open houses, conferences, letting them know, hey, we're here. So we set up vending tables that provides different resources and information about what it is that we offer to the community and when children participate in the program. We also have like family engagement events. That's the perfect ideal time to kind of, once again, put out those needs assessments and say, these are the resources we have. What resources do your family need? And they're able to check off those boxes. Of course, food is one. Then that way it allows us to be able to follow back up with them. We also do this through like marketing materials, such as yard signs. So when we know that we're operating and that we're a meal service site, we'll go out and we'll put that yard sign in the yard so that the community can see it there. And we also use our organization website. So when you go on our website to imply about enrolling your child, it would also give you information about the food program. And then also we use door hangers. So like this time of the year, we're getting prepared to start our summer programming. And myself and other team members will go out and put door hangers on the doors informing the families that we offer meals. So it sounds like you've got like a multi-layered approach there because you're starting from day one when families are enrolling, you're getting that information and that you're saying like, this is something that we offer through our program. And then you keep that messaging going throughout the year as kids are participating, whether any contact point you have with a family, if it's those family nights and that kind of stuff. And then you're also, what I'm hearing you say, you're going to the families too. Like you're making sure that they have access to that by just being that that friendly knock on the door too. 
So I think for a lot of programs, depending on funding, how big they are, it can seem kind of overwhelming to think about starting or growing a big food program. And it's not always feasible to do like meal programs and things like that. So can you tell us a little bit about maybe some other creative ways you can still feed bellies and make sure kids aren't hungry, but maybe is on a smaller scale? Absolutely. Well, some ways of doing that is by organizing like food drives. Sending home food boxes with all participants. Maybe when you do your family engagement events, you can have that food box where every family can feel free to come up and help themselves. That way they don't have to announce that they have that need and they're struggling with the food insecurity, but then they're just able to actually take that box of food home with them after the family engagement event. Then also some other ways is just providing resources in general that are offered and geared to food security. Like you have the 211, the local food pantry that's in your neighborhood. You just want to continue to connect all of those resources and make sure that they're available to the families. So it sounds like even if you're not able to offer like a whole week's worth of meals, being able to send a box of something or even like a snack pack home can make a big difference. And that also eliminates an extra trip potentially a family has to take across town or to the store, whatever it might be, because everybody has to come pick up their kid or make that connection point. And so you're just really making it very convenient for people. Yes, absolutely. And it's times where I know that mom may have three other young children at home. And yes, we had a family engagement event and mom had to leave those little ones at home. I make sure that I make additional snack pack bags for those families to say, hey, I'm fully aware that you have other little ones at home. So I have made a snack pack for them as well for you to take home. That way you don't have children going home with snack packs. And now maybe the little brother or the little sister don't have that opportunity to have a meal as well. I imagine that just takes a load off for the family. And then I'm even thinking like head into the future, how that helps your program because that family is much more likely to have those younger kids come through your program too. So you've got that steady flow of engaged parents and engaged kids that way too. You're kind of hooking everybody before they even get there. Right. So they're really familiar with the program before they even become of age, because one thing about it, you're building those relationships with families and with the children because now they know, hey, Miss Kimberly sent home a snack pack for you and as well an activity bag. And so they can connect that to say, hey, mom, I would like to go with my big brother or sister this year. That's great. When they become of age. It's all about that connection and relationship. So in addition to those direct services, those direct things you're able to put physically in people's hands, we know that hunger is a significant issue in this state and that there's some big disparities. So in addition to what you're doing, what are some other referrals that you all make or what are some additional referrals that other out-of-school time programs to make that'll help connect families and make sure that those bellies are full? Well, you definitely can implement hands-on like training on how to apply for food share assistance. A lot of times the families are not very um, familiar with website, internet access, and just being able to work a lab properly. So it helps sometimes when you can do like an open house event and then have that family resource room available where parents can come in and you can give them that one-on-one that help them apply or walk them through the steps. Because a lot of times they know how, but they just don't have the resources at home like the computer or working internet. So they just need a little bit of extra assistance so that they can get it done. 
So one way to do that is, like I said, is providing laptops, having individuals who can help those families through the process of navigating the website. Another way is to hand out printed materials from like a PowerPoint slide. Those who may not really be familiar with getting on a computer and having that comfort level, but if you show them the step-by-step and what they may need to collect and who they need to contact, Mm -hmm. one way is just giving out those resources and the handouts that are printed off. You know, it really helps. Information about, like I said, once again, the food pantries that's in the community on how they can get additional services to make sure that their families are not going without food. So Kimberly, I think you bring up a really good point because when you're in a situation where you're trying to make sure there's food on the table and you're feeding your kids, something like applying for food share can be really intimidating. And it's really discouraging when you log on and something doesn't go right or you don't have information because you didn't know they'd be asking for it. So having somebody there to encourage and support and just give that information probably goes miles and miles and making sure that families have access to that service as well. So helpful because things are constantly changing. The website, the new data, the new menus that they put on there for you to navigate through can be quite challenging for families who may have not utilized that resource in maybe two or three years. Absolutely. So kind of on a similar note, like thinking about access and appropriate resources, how do programs go about ensuring that the services they're providing are also culturally respective and that they're providing food that families are comfortable with and actually fill up their their soul the same way they fill their bellies. We want to make sure that not everybody's just getting the same can of beans. Like, how do we do that? First of all, you definitely want to be aware and of knowing the families and their culture, their background, what type of foods they eat, because everyone comes from different culture backgrounds and maybe the foods that they grew up on And so you want to make sure that when you are preparing those meals or getting those meals vended by an outside source, you want to make sure that they're providing meals that once again meet your family's needs that you serve, their their culture, and kind of incorporate some of those meals. However, I do understand that you may not be able to incorporate everything and every, you know, ethnic food that they are used to, but however you can include some of those into those menu items. Yeah, so we might not be able to solve every concern or get every single thing that we want, but even just taking that into consideration and making that effort sends a message that like we care and we recognize who you are as a person and kind of taking that that extra step. It sounds like it's about intentionality, considering that and then being willing to explore what you can do about it. So Kimberly, you've given us so many good practical tips about what we could potentially do to start growing our programs around food and food security. We really appreciate you being here today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And thank you for listening in. We hope that you leave today with a few more tools in your toolbox. Be sure to visit our website and sign up for our emails where we share information about all of our upcoming professional development opportunities.